hello and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action on Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. I have a very fun episode in the works for today. A little bit of an update. So last week, we had a, a similar set of circumstances. So the week prior to last week, I was out of town the entire week on vacation did not have any cell or data or Wi-Fi coverage really at all. So no sports for the whole week. And then I came back last week. I was ready to get back into sports. And we had family in town. It pretty much felt like it was vacation part two while I was able to watch some sports and pay attention. On Wednesday night, my parents said, hey, Jack, can you drive your sister to Fort Worth, Texas. Can you do this Friday? Help move her in on Saturday and fly back Sunday. So it was a heck of a weekend. I was able to pitch in and help my parents, but it was another weekend without much sports content for me. So I have a guy who's going to help me get caught up on everything from the world of sports. We'll have plenty to talk about while he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring in Jake Poliga returning to the show first time since January. How are you, Jake? Good, man. Good, man. Happy to be back on here. Looking forward to a nice uh, sports conversation, catch up on everything going on. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And from my understanding, you were road tripping this weekend as well. Yeah, so we... uh... So I actually uh, went out to uh, accepted a job in San Francisco a couple weeks ago and then drove my uh, car and trailer out about halfway to Denver and I was going to fly out and and do it all again. But uh, job got rescinded, so I had to fly back. So this was the road trip, uh, you know, the sad road trip back from Denver to to Indiana. And uh, it was an interesting one, man. We uh, two flat tires uh, up in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. So that was a... you know, crap shooting itself, and then uh, had the trailer with a failed bearing on it. So it was a it was a crazy crazy story, man. We uh, missed <laughs> ended up missing an Amtrak, and then the next day we uh, we were tw- on an Amtrak that was on a twelve hour delay. Oh I'm my just, gosh! I'm happy to be happy to be back, man. Happy to be back. So what'd you do about the flat tires? Yeah, so we. Uh, so we got the flat tires up in uh, Granby, up in Colorado. It's right 20 miles from Rocky Mountain National Park, which is where we were going. And we get the get the flat tire all of a sudden. You hear, hoo, hoo, hoo. and I'm like, oh crap, get out! All th- the first three t- tires I check were fine, and then the the last one I checked was just all blown out. So uh, we had to I had to call I had to call my mom because she's got the green messages. She was the only person I could like I could call. And so she had to send me a bunch of these tow truck driver names. We, uh, we actually got picked up by a tow truck driver. And since COVID, he wasn't allowed to take us to the next city, which is about five miles out. So we oh, had wow. to walk five miles on the highway. But I, I talked this guy into, he had a good heart, man. He, uh, he let us, I talked, told him the whole story. He, and he let us hop in the, hop in the car as long as we were wearing masks and he drove us five miles down to the next town. But, uh, it was, it was crazy, man. It's, <laughs> hurt my hurt my bank account a little bit too you know <laughs> two flat tires failed bearing not not what i expected how many hours was that so whew, um the ride back was 
from Rocky Mountain National Park, I want to say it was about 22 hours. Ugh. And uh, yeah, it was me and my girlfriend, and she does not feel too comfortable driving a big trailer on the back of the car. So, <laughs> you know, I so I sent all 22 of those. Wow. Wow. That, yep. That's crazy. I did 16 hours with my sister, and I don't know about you, Jake, but when I travel, I... Sometimes I get a little angsty to leave. I'm not scared. I'm not fearful. I'm just ready to go. If I have an early morning flight, sometimes I'll get up way too early because I don't want to miss that flight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I learned from this trip. Like I said, we missed uh, we missed an Amtrak train. We were running up to the train as it was leaving. It was just it was killer and then we uh we uh took another amtrak and it's the next one out and this one put, was on a 12-hour delay so <laughs> yeah. so we learned the hard way that you got to be on time <laughs> yeah so i was up i went to bed really early so it, i still got some quality sleep but i woke up at 3 a.m on friday i'm just like okay i'm up let's get going but our plan wasn't to leave until 8 i woke up my sister around 7 a.m and I was itching to go. We left at 8.30. And I, I think I had a, you guys will like this. I thought it was a pretty smart strategy in order to allow us to get there all in one day. Because we were thinking maybe maybe we'll stop somewhere along the way. So my idea was I'm awake. I'm going to drink a bunch of coffee. I'm good to go. I want my sister to sleep as much as possible while I'm driving because I'm going to need her to take over. I want her to be as well rested as possible so we can so we can get there and I can turn the ball over to her in the 7th inning or the 8th inning and she can lead us to the promised land. So what I ended <laughs> up doing was I was playing podcasts, I was playing Mad Dog Russo radio and stuff like that just for the sole purpose of boring her to sleep because if I let her <laughs> control the radio she would not have slept. Hey, I like that strategy, man. You got to do it some way. <laughs> and what ends up happening, she sleeps a lot, is well rested. And after 12 hours on the road, I'm able to turn the ball over to her. She closed us out, drove us the last uh, three and a half hours, and we made it all in one day. And I don't know if I will ever do that again uh, after this experience, but it, it ended up working out for the best. Nice man, happy to happy to hear you got there safe and sound and got back as well. Thanks, man. I don't know what that drive is like to Colorado. I would think you'd get to see some mountains and see some cool landscapes and stuff, but you don't really see any of that uh, when you drive through Central, Southern Illinois, Missouri to <laughs> Arkansas to East Texas. Yeah, I mean. I've never done that trip, but uh, the the one to Colorado is pretty dry in itself, uh, figuratively and literally. You're driving through <laughs> pretty much cornfields and deserts up until you get to Denver. It's uh, you you don't even see a, you don't even see a mountain until you get 20 minutes outside the city, and so so it's not anything too special, Jack. We drove through Central <laughs> Illinois, uh, Missouri, and Kansas. So <laughs> I actually kind of like it, though. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I throw it in, throw in cruise control, you know, uh, <laughs> steady road, you know, just 70 miles an hour. So I usually just sit in the right-hand lane, and I'll get a, I'll get a podcast on, too. <laughs> Hope you're listening to this show. You, you, usually the – oh, yeah, I know. Always get some Jack Vita show in there. <laughs> Next Unless time. Unless my girlfriend's trying to 
Yeah, unless my girlfriend's trying to stay up because you know that, that she's uh, she's always locked into the Jack Vita show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah, it's. I actually kind of like riding through other parts of the country though because I think when you come from a place where we're from and me being just so close to the city of Chicago, you feel like the cities and that's that's everything that this country has to offer when there's an entire country out there, different regions, different terrains, uh, places that we might call the middle of nowhere that are somewhere to a lot of people. And those are special places to a lot of people. So it's kind of, it's like that Jason Aldean song fly over States, uh, just a little nice little love letter for (laughs) the States that don't get enough love. Oh, no doubt, man. I mean, it's a, I I like doing the drive. I mean, we, uh, we always try and take a, take an interesting road for a little bit of it. And we took, uh, we took one, there was a cheap gas station, maybe like two miles off the road. And it was, it was pretty incredible to see, you know, middle of nowhere, uh, it was what we, is what I'd call it, you know, the boondocks or whatever. But uh, there's some people in the gas station, no shoes on, obviously <laughs> no masks and everything. So it made us a little uncomfortable, but it was cool to see see how the how part of the country lives. You know, not everyone's in these uh, in these big cities or close to these big cities like we are. Yeah, and the other thing that really the one thing I learned through this trip, state of Arkansas, it's just. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you've ever been there, Jake, but we drove through the middle of the state, right through it from coming in through the north, right through the middle, going out through West Arkansas. And we passed Little Rock, which was Little Rock was, you know, definitely a bigger area. But for the most part, it was like there truly was nothing in that state. And I, I don't mean that as a slant to Arkansas, I just mean the part that we were driving through, it was a lot of vacant fields, not even, not even farms, just vacant fields. And we didn't really see any buildings. We didn't see any signs for any landmarks. There wasn't too much nature. There was a little more on the West side of Arkansas, but it was pretty crazy. I had never driven through a state where, you really just didn't even see, like at least like when you drive through Wisconsin or you drive through Indiana, you're seeing those cornfields, you're seeing what people do. But it was like, do people even live here? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I drove through Alabama and I thought that same thing. I was I was worried the whole time that, that I'm gonna because we're low on gas and I was worried that we're not gonna see a gas station for 50 miles. Yeah, <laughs> and that was that, that, that's usually the case, man. I mean, it's it's a different world out there. It's cool. I really hope for their own good, and we'll talk more about this later. I really hope that these states are able to enjoy some good old-fashioned college football this fall. I absolutely agree with that. Man. I think the southern states. I think they, with you know less people like we're talking about, I think they've uh, like the SEC. I mean, I think they're in they're in decent shape there. I think it's just the, the you know the big like Northwestern is going to have a tough time playing all these uh, northern schools and it's going to be during flu season and everything too, you know, it's colder up here. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll get more into that a little later. I have one other order of business I want to share. By the way, thank you all for listening to the Jack Vita show. And to those of you that have logged on to my new website, jackvita.com. Jake, I don't know if you are aware, but today kicked off 
a bracket that I'm running on my social media accounts and on my website. That's at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. The topic and the subject matter for this bracket, what is the greatest of all time kids show from the 2000s, from the years 2000 to 2010? We have 64 shows on this bracket and today we are going through the east region i just sent that bracket over to you jake uh i don't know if you were able to see some of those matchups but yeah pretty pretty wild times yeah man i'm checking out right now this is uh I, all these shows which is good besides the zaboomfu zaboomafu yeah yeah, I couldn't tell you what that one is, but I've seen all these other ones, man. You got some good uh, Sp- SpongeBob locked into a one seed. That's going to be a tough one to tell yeah. that. But <laughs> the biggest surprise—well, I shouldn't say surprise, but disappointment—so far in today's uh, voting, we have Legends of the Hidden Temple locked in against the Disney Channel games, and I think. Legends of the Hidden Temple is the far superior show, but right now Disney Channel's up by a solid 10 votes or so. Really? Yeah. I think it's a Generation Z bias that didn't see Legends yeah. of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one for me to vote on, honestly. <laughs> Two decent shows right there. <gasps> Kim Possible. I see you got Kim Possible versus Danny Phantom. Yeah, Kim- another one. I enjoy I really enjoyed both those shows. Kim Possible is up big. 31 to 11 votes on uh, the Instagram poll. At Danny the moment. Phantom not getting any love? I <laughs> guess not. guess not. The closest one <laughs> so far is Phineas and Ferb and Ed and Eddie. That one just keeps going back and forth. That one right on the, right on the middle right there. It's really close. That one's a little bit of a battle of uh, battle of generations there. I mean, I would think a lot of people haven't seen a lot of that and Eddie that were big Phineas and Ferb fans, but yeah, both both like I said, good shows. Ed and Eddie. The yeah. problem with it is it just made me feel like I was getting dumber by watching it. <laughs> oh, I I couldn't agree more. <laughs> you ever watch uh, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog? Oh, that's a sixteen seed or cat. Oh, is it? Yeah. Cat Dog is a 14 seed. Yeah, that show scared me, man. That show is <laughs> that show gave me nightmares. Yeah. I think it did to everyone. It was a freaky show. But uh yeah, the the bracket, go on and vote. Uh we have, you know, you have the remainder of today to vote in the East region. These are just our first round matchups. So we'll get eight matchups a day this week, and then next week we'll probably uh, we'll be moving on to the round of 32. We'll figure out how we break it up, and we'll provide an update on next week's episode. But uh, the one seeds in this bracket, Jake, I'm sure you, you'll get a chance later to take a look at the whole bracket, but the one seeds, for those that are wondering, SpongeBob, Arthur, Hannah Montana, and Drake and Josh. Oh, Drake and Josh. That's my <laughs> uh, that, that's my front runner right there. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I filled out the bracket myself. I've got Drake and Josh over Hey Arnold with Lizzie McGuire and the Amanda Show also making it to the final four. That's a that's a good bracket right there, Jack. You know, you put this together yourself. Yeah, thanks, man. I did. Yeah, I yeah. liked it, man. I, I I think this is some quality uh 
some quality picks right here. Some quality rankings too, I'd say. Sweet. Yeah, I, I was really operating under iconic. And so the one that's really interesting, people are upset that Avatar, The Last Airbender, was a 10 seed. Which apparently, maybe I did underseed that one because these P- Avatar fans are coming out in full force, ready to vote for Avatar tomorrow. That that is the that is the niche show. Like I I've never watched it. Couldn't couldn't give you any opinions. Yeah. I had a roommate who watched it, and then one of my best friends, one of my best friends from high school, is like a diehard. <laughs> and I don't get it, man. I mean, I <laughs> I I just tried giving it a chance, but. Not my cup of tea. I think it's really, as you mentioned, it's really just a cult classic that when it was on, it wasn't like if you went to, we went to the Nickelodeon uh, hotel in Orlando and I didn't see any Avatar stuff then. And that was 2009. I don't know if Avatar was still on, but like you see the posters of Jimmy Neutron and SpongeBob and Timmy Turner and the faces of the network, Rugrats, Rocket Power, Wild Thornberries. There were much bigger shows at the time. Avatar, they didn't really... It seemed like they didn't really even promote it all that much. Now, it did get a movie several years later, but it seemed like it just kind of established itself as a cult classic, and the people who were into it are really into it. So I think Avatar is going to have a good backing here. They also just went on to Netflix recently, so I know a lot of people have been re-watching or watching through Avatar for the first time recently. Yeah, that might uh, that might give a boost in the, in the rankings here, <laughs> or in the standings. <laughs> but yeah, should be a lot of fun, so make sure you go on and vote jackvita.com at Jack Vita Show on social media. And that's all I got for everyone today in terms of announcements and uh, banter. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jake, make sure you get out there and vote. Oh, absolutely, man. It's the only time I'm ever going to tell people to vote. I don't care what you do politically, but... This is this is an important matter. We got to crowd the the best kids show of the two thousands, and we everyone should exercise their right to vote if they if they grew up in that era, of course. Yeah, this is important to our generation too. We can't let the uh, the Gen Zs take over around <laughs> some of these new shows. You know, we got to stand our ground. <laughs> All right, Jake. Let's talk some sports today. And Jake, I'm going to allow you to take us wherever you want to take us to start this show. As I mentioned, this past weekend, I was unable to watch sports and I have listened to some sports talk radio over the last few days. So I'm a little aware of what's going on, but it's just been such a weird year because sports came back and I essentially spent two weeks where while I was able to get sports news, I haven't been able to watch a whole lot of sports, which makes me feel like my opinion is not as valid as it normally is. <laughs> well, that's that, that's what I'm hopefully here for today. <laughs> you know, I've I, I've been uh, I've been locked in. Even there was actually a two day span when uh, when I didn't get to check any, like didn't have any service up there in the mountains. And uh, thankfully, those two days were two of the three losses the Phillies took to the <laughs> Orioles, and that got swept by the freaking Orioles, man. <laughs> and you are feeling? How are you feeling about the Phillies? Let, let's start there. That's a good. That's a good place to start. Yeah, oh, great place to start. So uh, I'm actually feeling good. I think I think there's a lot of fans, a lot of Phillies fans out there that are worried. You know, the bullpen is among the worst in the league. Um, not going to put that lightly at all, but. Uh, They've got 
they got some real talent at the plate. You know, Bryce Harper's batting like 364 right now. His OBP is at 490. He's getting on base almost half the half the time he's up at the bat. And then, I mean, four homers that'll come. And then you got JT Realmuto in his contract year. He's batting 300 with eight homers. And I mean, for those those who haven't been following too much, these Phillies have missed missed out on you know what five six games at least and. So eight homers right there for JT. That's a lot. You got Tatis leading the league, I believe, with ten. But um, but I'm feeling good. I mean, the rotation's been really what's been surprising us too. I think we expected the bats were going to hit, um, but the rotation. I mean, Aaron Nola is is back to 2018 vintage Aaron Nola. He's he's developed a changeup. He's he's always had a changeup. It was always a you know get me over pitch. It was never really never really a go to it was good versus lefties he'd throw it down and away versus lefties but now he's he's getting raised to swing right over it and that's really led to his dominance he's gotten he's gone three straight starts i believe with um with eight or more k's and three or less hits and hasn't wow. given up a run in any of them so he's yeah he's been pretty incredible um and then after that i mean you got the 118 million dollar man zach wheeler he's He's not striking anyone out. I think he's got four Ks in and uh in his best start this year, but he's 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 getting him down. He's it's weird, man. He's like uh what he's like the first ninety nine mile an hour ground ball pitcher. It doesn't really make sense to me. He's got some amazing stuff. Stuff's electric, but all I care about is he's getting guys out. He's he's pitching really well. He's he's going like seven innings, two earned and getting Philly W's. And then uh, Arietta, I'm still not gonna put my, put any stock in Jake Arietta. You know he's costing costing us twenty six million dollars, which I'm not too fond of. And he has not played even to a five million dollar contract. But uh, he's he's pitching well this year. He said um, his the the bone spur surgery. He said last last year he just couldn't even after four innings he wouldn't feel right at all. I think that surgery, I think we might see a better version of Arietta this year. I'm thinking, I'm hoping somewhere below four ERA, um, you know, as long as he's, as long as he's going out there and getting us five innings at a time, because his bullpen can't do anything. And then uh, in terms of early surprises, I mean, I think Alec Bohm, Spencer Howard is going to have, going to take time. Pitchers in this league will, pitchers in this league will take time in general, but Alec Bohm's hitting, man. He's going to hit, I think he's going to hit right away. He's shown in three, four games, or whatever that that he can hit in the big leagues, and he just he barrels it up. He's got he's got no power really. He hasn't he hasn't he's got two doubles in the air. They're both on the line, but he just barrels these balls up, and he's got such a sweet swing. He's been really excited for me to watch. But um, but other than that, I mean, the Phillies are sitting at eight and nine. They've they're one in five versus the Marlins and the Orioles this year, but. Which is tough, obviously. You want to take care of those teams, but they're playing well. Just coming off a sweep in the Mets, and we got the ice cold Red Sox today. <laughs> so, think, so things are looking pretty up in Philly. I think the Red Sox are looking to be remaining ice cold for the majority of 2020. <laughs> I heard an incredible stat yesterday. Um, before the Red Sox Yankees game yesterday, I'm not entirely sure who started. But the Red Sox had started eleven pitchers in twenty-two games. Wow, eleven, yeah, eleven different starting pitchers. That's 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 just 
I don't know, tough for the Red Sox sitting at six and seventeen down there. They've won one of their last ten. They're missing so Eduardo Rodriguez. That whole thing is unfortunate that he can't pitch and he's having problems. And uh, Chris Sale, Tommy John, they traded David Price. And, I mean, that <laughs> those are some big hits to your rotation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's unfortunate for them. It's unfortunate for my buddy Luke, who's a diehard Red Sox fan. <laughs> uh, but, but they got, I mean... They, they don't necessarily. They didn't necessarily need to rebuild, and I, this is such a weird team. You know, they're not going through a rebuild. They've got some good veteran players. They still got Chris Sale um, coming back next year, so I think it could be a team that surprises us next year. But as for this year, man, I do not see them winning more than twenty-five games tops. I would. I see them going somewhere around twenty and forty. Wow. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah. in a. Uh in a rebuild right now. So you, you were talking about the Phillies. I was at a barbecue restaurant in Fort Worth over the weekend. It was delicious, by the way. Highly recommend Heim Barbecue. Yeah, Heim. Okay. Really good. If anyone's ever down there, Heim. Absolutely great. I had a brisket sandwich with mac and cheese on it. Wow, that sounds really good right now, Jack. You're making me hungry. <laughs> it was it was great, and so there was uh, some MLB whip around show that was probably MLB the night where they're giving us the live look ins on games. Saw a little bit of the Phillies, Bryce Harper sliding into second base, and at first I was like, "Who who is that guy? He looks like a caveman." Bryce is in full on <laughs> caveman mode right now, though. It's oh, his appearance, big time, big time. Have you? Uh, I don't know if you got got any look at Reese Hoskins before he shaved the stash, but he was in retro mode too. He looked like a he looked like a young Mike Schmidt out there. He had the high socks. Um, <laughs> he's got he had the mustache and everything. But actually, funny story with him. He shaved the stash and he's actually come alive. So it's been big for the Phils. But I don't know. I don't think Bryce needs to do the same. He looks Bryce looks great out there with his. It's a store look or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it was like he got that quarantine beard thing going, and then he decided to keep it going with his hair as well. Probably hasn't yeah, seen a barber in a long time. Yeah. I hope he just lets the flow go, man. I mean, <laughs> he could be uh, he, he could be the next Charlie Blackman. <laughs> he could. Do you want to be? Do you want to look like Charlie Blackman? I, the way he the way he's hitting right now, <laughs> I think you want. I think you want everything that uh, that you can get from Charlie Blackman. <laughs> Very true. Uh, in the National League Central, this division I think is always extremely interesting. The Cubs got off to this really great start, twelve and three, and they ended up losing four straight. Or yeah, four straight. They ended up picking up a win last night. The Brewers. Got off to a very cold start. Really, an underreported story to this season is the how different the Milwaukee Brewers' batting order looks this year. And they played Chicago over the weekend. They won three straight games. They took three of four. Really, really big games there for the Brewers. Yeah, that was huge for them. I mean, they they're a team that's going to have to need. They're going to need an MVP like season from Christian Yelich again just to compete. And, you know, the first couple, the first week or so of the season, yeah, it was, I think, under the 100 mark or something like that. And 
So it's nice to see him come alive. Um, tough to see Lorenzo Kane opt out. That's one of my yeah. one of my favorite players on that team. One of my favorite players in the league in general. But um, tough to see that. But I think they really got a, a lot of good young pitching that that people aren't really taking notice to. Um, Corbin Burns is making a start today. He's making his first start of the season. He's come out of the bullpen in three appearances this year, I believe, and he's striking out some crazy number. Like he's faced. He faced the Cubs twice, and he's just he's mowing them down. Um, I think he's going to be a. I think he's a guy that could really surprise us. And then Brandon Woodruff, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a stud one day. Um, yeah. Obviously, you got Hater, um, Freddie Peralta's got nasty stuff. Still can't put it together. But they're a team that's just got got a lot of. They're 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 also a team that's that needs one of those guys. Um, you know, like uh, like one one of their guys to just step up and have a big year. Like they've got, they have a lot of journeymen on that team, like Justin Smoke. If they can get a 2000, I think 17 season yeah. from Justin Smoke, that that would obviously be huge. Um, Ryan Healy, like if they can get a, you know, him him to go back to what he used to be doing. So it's a lot of guys that they're taking a chance on. But I think I think uh, that Trent Grisham trade is really hurting them though. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, that's the the Brewers' playbook. Is they pick up, they got a lot out of Travis Shaw, traded for Mike Mustakas, Jesus Aguilar. He was another that yeah. picked him up off the waivers and wasn't an all star for them. But Craig Council has been known to take these pieces and make them fit somehow, some way. They're at back at ten and ten now. Actually, my pick to win the NL Central this year. I'm feeling a lot better about that pick than I did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I I don't blame you for that. I would have been a little worried at first, but with Yelich coming alive, uh, Kesson here is a beast. He's going to be a stud. But um, I think they've gotten pieces. I think I hate to tell you this, Jack, but I think that Cubs team's uh, got a lot more talent. But something about the Brewers, they just make it work. You know, you're right. Yeah. They're that they're that team that makes Eric Sogard, Justin Smoke, and Ryan Healy have career years you know, it's just it's always a little random for them like the Jesus Aguilar and so I'm hoping I'm as a, as, as a fan of the Brewers relative fan I'm hoping uh, they can you know get those career years from Sogard and Smoke and Healy and all those journeymen that they're that they uh, signed in the offseason Cardinals also played well this weekend after having essentially a week without practice even no games no practice they are back uh it's an interesting situation they are in they've only played 10 games everyone else in this division is approaching uh everyone's played 20 except for the them and the pirates pirates are at 18 uh they had some games canceled as well i believe but cardinals uh playing from behind a little bit big series though this week with the cubs they had a double header yesterday they have, let's see, three more games over the next two days. So a total of five games in three days for a long-standing rivalry. I'm really interested to see how this whole thing shakes out over the next 48 hours. Yeah, as am I, man. I think I think uh, the Cardinals kind of got obviously they got screwed. You know, it's, it's tough to see them. You know, take a tough to see a team with such a good bullpen have to play so many seven inning games and. And the uh, reverse case of the Phillies, that actually really hurts them. The Phillies are playing a bunch of seven inning games, but they've got no <laughs> bullpen. The Cardinals got a lot of a lot of young talent in that bullpen, and it's going to end up coming to bite them. You know, they're going to have to play a lot of seven inning games. You know how tough it is to 
to take two, take win two games yeah. in one day. You know, usually those are splits. So I, so I'm rooting for them. I really am. I hope they're. I'm a fan of the Cardinals, but I just I can't see them really catching their footing and and you know sneak. I can see them sneaking in maybe a seven eight seed, but. Oh, Jake, man. if they if they took it, these it, next three games and ended up taking four of five against the Cubs, would that change the way you look at this division? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I in a sixty game a season, I like you got a four four out of five games versus a division rival. That's huge, you know. Obviously, they they could do that if they would have won that uh, that second one last night versus the Cubs. They'd be sitting at six and four and. You know, only I think two and a half games back or whatever. It's such it's it's just a very interesting situation right now with the Cubs having played twenty one games and the Cardinals yeah. playing ten. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I mean, I think they just I think they got to get hot. They're one of those teams that's gonna have to get hot. Quick. Yeah, it's that's very important for them. But but we'll talk about this Cubs team here for a sec. So. Cubs got off to a 12 and three start, which was shocking to me, Jake. I, I'll tell the truth. I did not think this team was, I had them just under 500 going into this season. Um, I'm not sold on them yet. I don't think they're going, I still would not pick them while they are in the lead in a shortened season. They are the front runner at the moment. I still feel a little more. If you gave me the field, I'd take the field against the Cubs I don't think they're going to hang on to that spot, but they got off to a great start. And now, you know, we'll see what ends up happening as they start to play some tougher games. I mean, you can only play the Royals and the Pirates so many times and that they had some tough yeah. games this weekend against the Brewers. Now they're playing the Cardinals. What are your thoughts on the Cubs? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on your side with that. I think, I mean, the, the hot start, I think was a little bit of a fluke. I was, I was thinking that from the beginning, you know, they played some played an easy schedule to start. Uh, Tyler Chatwood's obviously <laughs> not going to put on put go go seven innings and go seven <laughs> shutout innings in most of his starts. Um, it's just, I think it's going to. I think with their X factor for this year, I think they're going to need a big year from Darvish. Yeah. Um, they just don't. Really, they don't have the pitching. They have no bullpen. They're going to need. They're going to need Darvish to go out every fifth, sixth day and. And shove, and they're going to need that lineup to really come alive. They're going to need Javi Baez to start hitting them. He's what he's at what two hundred right now. Is he even above the Mendoza yeah, line? Just barely, I believe. Oh yeah, I, don't, I mean it's, it's tough to believe that they even started that hot with with you know arguably their best player. I know you would disagree with that, <laughs> but uh, arguably their best player struggling so much. Well, Jake, here's the thing: I've been looking at these box scores again. First time in forever that I've, I mean, think, keep in mind from 2012 to this year, my parents and I pretty much watched every single Cubs game. We watched every game and now we cannot see the games anymore. So I, I, I can only go off the box scores. I can watch 29 Major League Baseball teams and the only team I can't watch is the team that is geographically closest to me, believe it or not. <laughs> That's that's a whole problem in itself, man. I, <laughs> I, I don't I don't understand it. It's the same thing they've got going on with the Dodgers right now. And look how that's going for them. I mean, they've been dealing with that problem for 
quite some time and the Dodgers can't even in such a big city and it's just a great team. They can't even sell out like there's teams like Kansas city Royals who will get, who if they're playing well, we're going to sell it every night. And you just don't see, I think the Cubs, I think the Cubs are going to, it's it's not going to hurt them in the short term, but in the short run, but I think it's really going to come back to bite them in the long run, especially yeah. in a city where you're, where you're, uh, where you've got the white Sox with so much young talent and you're, yeah. You're competing with fans for them, you know. This this White Sox lineup is so much fun to watch. I can't I can't imagine any any like ten, eleven, twelve year old kid that's really getting into baseball right in Chicago right now. I can't imagine them, you know, not being at least at least enjoying the Sox and yeah, you know, being a Sox fan. So I think it's going to come back to bite them. I I would agree with that, Jake. I've uh, ranted on that several times on this podcast. Uh, but going off of these box scores and what I've been seeing every every night, because I check the box scores pretty much every night, what I, I've noticed, it reminds me a lot of how they started the season last year, where their pitching, their starting pitching staff was really, really overachieving. And, I mean, you look at the names in this rotation, you saw how some of those guys really came unglued down the last year. Just not a lot of stable, steady guys. We saw how well they were pitching. I kept seeing these box scores. It was like their starting pitching was continually holding guys under two runs. And when when your pitching rotation is doing that, you, your bats don't really need to hit. But when your pitching staff starts to kind of average out to what it really is, then those bats really need to hit. And you look at the lineup... They're not really getting much of anything out of Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Contreras was on fire for a little bit. He's been cold lately. Jason Hayward contract is still one that they're regretting, not getting really anything from him. And you just yep. you look through all those names, it's the same series of problems that they've had over the last few years and there just really isn't anything that they do remarkably or outstanding uh in terms of it's it's not a good bullpen the pitching staff when it was it was pitching very well we'll see if that uh is able to continue for 60 games i'm skeptical and then this batting order which has names in it but they're not really putting they're not putting up runs yeah man it's it's weird it's you know they have so much talent on paper and it was the same way last year i mean even when guys are performing it seems like they they can't string them together it seems like the Cubs can't get all can't click on all cylinders i mean the bullpen is the problem in itself but uh you, you'd think that team would be you think that lineup would hit like you said would hit a lot more yeah i have one suggestion for the cubs let's hear it get chris bryan out of the leadoff spot <laughs> yeah, they they need a legit leadoff man. I, like I was going through their lineup the other day, and I was just you know playing around, thinking, "Wow, imagine if they had Eloy Jimenez and Blaber Torres." <laughs> yeah, but I but even at that, I was like, they still don't have a leadoff man. They'd have to hit Glaber in the leadoff spot, which I don't know if you necessarily want to do that. The Cubs, the Cubs need a guy who they can put in, you know, put in center field, a speedy guy who's gonna. You're gonna lead off for them and get on base and work good count, you know. Yeah, it's and that's the other thing. So they decide let's put Chris Bryant in this leadoff spot, and I was not 
supportive of this idea when I first heard about it in February. And it Chris Bryant is hitting a buck eighty. I mean, he's he's not himself right now. Why is it that every time they put a guy in the leadoff spot, he fails? It's because they're not used to leading off. They never did it at any point in their career. Chris Bryant's been a three or a four hitter probably his entire life. And now all of a sudden you're saying, well, just lead off, lead off. It'll be fine. It's not a computer simulation. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I think lead off... I think leading off is the most, uh, gotta say, like unique, unique position in, in any lineup. Obviously, I mean, yeah. your face, your first batter pitcher's face, and it's it's a, it's a different, it's a head game, I think. And I think Chris Bryant's much better suited in a two, three, or maybe even a four hole. I don't, I do not see him as a leadoff guy either. Well, and last year the Cubs front office did this whole thing about how they're doing these meetings with players and they want to get feedback and have accountability. One of the things that came out of these meetings is that Chris Bryant did not enjoy hitting in the two spot. He liked being in a three through five spot. It's just his comfortable thing. And you look at Chris Bryant, the life the guy lives. He's been with the same woman for 15 years. He doesn't drink alcohol. He doesn't swear. He's not a guy who lives life on the edge. So just make the guy comfortable and he's probably going to perform at his best. I yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he's obviously a guy who thrives in a comfortable situation and Cubs just aren't doing that. I, don't know. I would, you got such a good talent there. Chris Bryant, yeah. I like you said you think he's the best player on the team. I think there's a great argument for it. And if you're just you're putting him in the leadoff spot, not you can't drive in your arms. I get the whole aspect of the DH now, so he's not in front of the pitcher. But still, you know he's he's not performing well in the leadoff spot. Take him out. Yeah, I'd like to see. Like I think I I thought Anthony Rizzo in the leadoff spot was kind of kind of weird, but <laughs> I mean he he was hitting well. And I think there's something there's an aspect of the the only non-traditional leadoff hitter that they've put in that spot who's done really really well in that spot yeah and i and rizzo is a good contact guy he's gonna bop you some leadoff homers and he's gonna draw a lot of walks i think that's i think that's really what you want besides speed he's he's got what it takes to be a leadoff guy yeah the last thing i think of why the cubs are having these problems and part of it is the roster that they've assembled they don't have many contact hitters they've doubled down they lost nick castellanos who is really their best hitter for the second half of last season, they've made, you know, part of it is the roster that they've assembled. And that's partly why we're not into them. Uh, but I would say, I think that they'd be in a better spot with Chris Bryant in that three spot. And not only because it would be better for Chris Bryant, but because I think it would be better for Javier Baez. The guy we know about Baez's approach, he's a free swinger and you can't really change that about him. And, that's okay. You just need to maximize on the player that you have with him. And when Javi is batting in front of Chris Bryant and in front of Anthony Rizzo, he's going to see a lot more fastballs than he will see if he's batting behind them with Kyle Schwarber at his, his protection behind him. Yeah. I agree with you there, Jack. I mean, I, I think so. they just got, I think they got a lot to, a lot to figure out there. You know, they started off, <laughs> start off really well and, downhill from here and then you got the whole Craig Kimbrell situation that's a different problem yeah so I I just think they could solve 
more than one problem because you mentioned Javi Baez with his 240 OBP. Uh, not pretty. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not at all, especially uh, especially in the 60-game season when you don't got much time to turn around. Jake, what's your read on the Cincinnati Reds at this point? So I think tough team to read. They've got they got so much talent, um, both sides of the ball. Right? I mean, they've got great pitching. They've got a good good bullpen, um, and they got a good lineup there too. I'm just I'm that, that's a team I could see. They're only what one game under 500 right now, or something like that. That's a team I could or two games under. That's a team I could definitely see getting hot. I mean, Castellanos is kind of carried so far, but if Nick Senzel can turn it on, uh, Moustakis, obviously, you know, you can get some of these streaky hitters to, to really turn it on. And then Sonny Gray's proven that he's bounced back and he's, he's an ace again. And uh, Trevor Bauer is maybe even arguably the best pitcher in the NL right now. So I don't know. I just, I, I think that's, I think that's a really good team. And I think on paper that might even be the best team in the NL central. It's kind of odd to see them at sitting at nine eleven right now. Yeah. I think that this going into this season, I said that this is the toughest or the most important spot for a manager to really do well. I mean, you gotta, the biggest thing you have to do is you have to shed a losing culture that the Reds have been in living in for several years now, like going back all the way, I think 2012 was probably their last playoff trip. And now you have to shed that culture and that's really hard to do. So I'm, I don't want to put them on the hot spot or on the hot seat at this point. And also eight teams are going to make the playoffs in the national league. There's a lot of room to get in. I think it's going to be tight down the stretch but I think that David Bell is starting to see a little bit of that pressure. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I think it's a definitely a culture thing. Um, you know, it's I think that's something that suffer fantasy is like you like you said, the losing culture, it's tough to turn that around and and everything like that, especially in such a unique season like it is. But uh but I, I think I think they'll be fine. I think they're gonna slip slide in the playoffs and be a really dangerous six, seven or eight seed. So elsewhere in the National League, uh, some of these teams that got off to the big hot start, their records are starting to catch up with them. Colorado Rockies still doing quite well, 13-9. and nine. Padres are back at 500. The Diamondbacks, who got off to a very cold start, have won five in a row. They're at 12-11. and 11. They're a team that I was pretty high on coming into this season. Uh, I, I, I can say the same. I... Uh... <laughs> I was I was actually rooting for the Diamondbacks. I thought they were going to be a real good team this year, and then I sold all my Diamondback stock about two weeks in. I just I, <laughs> I, I didn't think they were going to do it. I don't know. Mad Bum was getting rocked. Uh, Roddy Ray was pitching horribly, but those guys are finding their stride. Uh, they got a really good lineup. I mean, Marte, not brothers, but you know the Marte pair they got there. That's, <laughs> that, that that's special was off the lineup. I think Cal Marte might be the most underrated player in all of baseball. Just because he's playing out in out in uh, yeah. out in the desert in there, but he plays three four positions. He hits above three hundred, hits or pop. He's he's a special player. I think D backs are another team that could uh, could be really scary. You know, scary at like a six seven eight team. Yeah, I mean, I think if that pitching staff, if they can just get Gallon, Mad Bum, and Robbie Ray going, that's the type of three 
headed monster that wins you playoff series. No doubt. No doubt. Jack, uh, I got a quick one for you right here. So if the playoffs started today, the Miami Marlins yeah. would be the four seed <laughs> and they would be playing, they'd be playing the diamondbacks as the five seed. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess the D backs are in pretty good shape right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's pretty crazy with the Marlins. You think the Marlins are going to stick there? Or you think they're going to uh, return to what they've been? <laughs> if they if they didn't have all that stuff, uh, you know, the COVID outbreak and everything like that, I would say this team makes the playoffs. I thought after after that three game wow. series to open up with the Phillies, I was like, oh, this team's they've got some good young pitching, and they've got Sandy Alcantara, who's he's going to be a stud. Um, they've got a uh, uh, Jordan Yamamoto is going to be a good pitcher. Um, uh, the one some other right-hander they've got in there that's going to be a good pitcher, and then they've got a lot of guys who just who are just you know I guess savages is a good word. You know, great at bats. Jesus Aguilar is having a great <laughs> Jesus Aguilar is having a great year again. They're a team that I think now I think since they're they've got so much going on there i think they're gonna fall back but i think they're gonna finish some somewhere around like 25 and 35 30 and or 28 and 33 i see them i see them being a pretty good uh pretty competitive team you know giving good games the phillies went 10 and or 9 and 10 versus team last year so i've always thought they were a lot more talent than people think yeah that sounds about right another big story from the past week Braves lose Mike Soroka for the remainder of 2020. This is a big loss for a team that let's okay. The Braves have depth for the regular season. They have a lot of guys who can step in and give you a good six innings and two runs and, but nobody that you really trust in a, in a big playoff game last year, the three guys they trotted out for the postseason, Dallas Keuchel, who's now with the White Sox, Mike Fultonavish, who Fulte just got DFA'd uh, unceremoniously. I was I was not expecting that, but he regressed. I mean, that, but it wasn't that long ago that he won a playoff game for them. And now Mike Soroka done for the season. These are some, I, I think there's some pretty big concerns here uh, for the Braves entering into the playoffs because I I have reason to think that they still will win this division or at least they're still going to get to the playoffs they have too much talent not to but come playoff time this is gonna be tough for them I agree I I think that's a huge loss and as a Phillies fan I mean obviously you never want anything to happen to any players it's it's, it's tough to see that that happened to such a good pitcher as a Phillies fan, uh, I mean that would have, that's six that's five six starts right there or five six games and we don't have to face Soroka and uh, I don't know man I think the, I think the Braves have plenty of talent they're gonna get in but uh, I'm I'm off the Braves a little bit right now I think I think other than Max Fried who I think might win the Cy Young this year he's incredible but other than that they they don't really have anyone in that rotation you know Felix would have been Felix would have been great for them right now if he didn't opt out. Uh, thank God for them. They got Marquez back because he's been, he's, I think, won them two games or two walk-offs or something like that. At least one I know of. But uh, I don't know. That Braves team's tricky. I think, I think yeah. they've got as good of as good of a lineup as you can have. 
but they're going to have to hit their way, hit, hit their way to Alley's title because pitching is not going to do it. Although they do have a great bullpen. They do have a great bullpen. This is a big time opportunity for some of those pitchers that have bounced in and out of the rotation over the last couple of years. Tuki Toussaint, Sean Newcomb, who I, I don't know if they've been using him in the bullpen or as a starter this season, but uh, you, you might be able to answer that for me. Yeah, Newcomb's actually struggled a lot. He's been he can't yeah. he, he can't find his control. He's been walking crazy amount. Um, and then Tuki Toussaint, he hasn't pitched that well this year, but he's a guy that I yeah. that I am really high on. I think he's going to be a stud. He's got electric stuff. Um, I think he'll find it. And Kyle then, Wright. Yeah, Kyle Wright, was, Bryce Wilson. They've got they've got a ton of good young pitching. It's just a matter of uh, this. I mean, the sixty game season. These guys aren't going to get more than three or four starts to figure it out. Yeah. So, so I don't know, man. I'm. I mean, as a Phillies fan, I'm hoping for the hoping for the worst with Braves, but <laughs> but uh, I guess that's just optimistic. Big time opportunities for those young guys, and they're going to need at least a couple of them to really flourish in order to have a shot this year oh, no, uh, no. otherwise they may just have to pack up their bags and plan for 2021 when things are hopefully a little more normal yeah. in the world yeah i think i think the braves i think they'll be fine like i said i think they're gonna make the playoffs because they got such a good bullpen they got nays and they got a great lineup but who's gonna be that second starter in a playoff series i mean who's who goes behind freed and if they and Freed's going to match up versus Philly's, Philly's uh, Braves. Freed matches up versus Nola, and that's a toss-up. And then you got Wheeler versus who knows for the Braves in, the, in that two. Or even the Reds, you get Trevor Bauer in the second game and then versus who? Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson? It's going to be a tough road for them. Yeah. In the American League, we'll, we'll wrap up here soon, but a couple things going on in the American League. Yankees having some more injury problems. We were chatting a little bit before we got on the air here. You and I both really like Tampa. Mm-hmm. That is right. I think uh, I think the Rays win that division. I think Aaron Judge <laughs> on the IL now. Uh, Jim Carlos Stanton can't stay healthy to save his life. Uh, DJ Mayhew on the <laughs> DJ Mayhew on the IL. James Paxton is not anything like they uh, like they paid for or traded for. I mean, and uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's the Yankees, but the Rays. The Rays have a really good, uh, really good rotation. Tyler Glasnow and Blake Snell, neither of them have really turned it on this year. But if you can get those guys, I think Glasnow goes versus Cole tonight, which is going to be a great matchup. But uh, if if they can get if they can get their starting rotation going, I think the Rays definitely win this division. And uh, I would even go as far as picking picking them to maybe make the World Series out of that out of that uh, American yeah. League. Yeah. I had the Rays coming into the season going back to February. I had the Rays winning a division in a 162-game season, and I had them in a 60-game season as well. Those Yankee injury concerns, I just, for the Yankees, obviously you want to be able to host a, a playoff. You want to host your playoff series. You want to have that home field. But at the same time, you also just want to have your whole team intact come October. And that that is uh, I don't think the Yankees are as hung up on trying to win as many games as a team like the Rays are. And it's going to be harder for the for the Yankees for that reason, that they've lost so many of these guys. And that seems to be a recurring trend with this ball club. Oh, no doubt. It's going to be all about momentum this year. I mean, 
And when you're when you're missing your three best hitters, and the rotation isn't isn't pitching well, it's gonna be tough for them to get get some momentum going into October too. I mean, obviously, it could things could change. They could get healthy, but right now, I, I like the Rays winning that division. The White Sox. You mentioned them earlier. White Sox are playing some good baseball right now. They're above 500 at 12 and 11. I think they're going to get into these playoffs. And man, that would be a tough pill to swallow for the Cubs if the White Sox ended up being the. What if they were the only team in Chicago to make the playoffs this October? <laughs> oh, in a, in a 16 game playoff, that that would uh, that would lead to riots on the north side. I would think. <laughs> Northside people don't riot. Come on, Jake. Yeah, World you're, Series. And you're people right. are like, <laughs> they're gonna destroy the city when the world when they win the World Series, and we're we're all just like, why? Why would we do that? We're happy. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're not like Philly people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Philly's got a Philly's got a much different different grasp on things. I mean, we're just <laughs> as a Phillies fan, so dramatic. And it was after this after this three game sweep to the Orioles, everyone in the city was down on the Phillies and pretty much given up and then you go sweep the Mets and everyone's back on board. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's 2020 for you. <laughs> for sure. But I, I like what the White Sox are doing here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. I, I think I personally think that that lineup uh, might be the best lineup in baseball at the end of this year. I I think Lucio bear or Luis Roberts, incredible. Obviously Elo is incredible. Tim Anderson really coming into himself. He's, He's just one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball, and in terms of the offensive side of his game, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball too. And uh, I mean, I think there's so much young talent there, and then even Nick Madrigal, who's gonna come back off the IL any day now. And then you get like Andrew Vaughn, who's uh, who's coming up anytime soon. You don't even have a place for that guy. Like, you you don't really have a spot at your DH because you got Encarnacion and Eloy who should be there. And then you've got Jose Abreu locked in too, and so Andrew Vaughn's on the brink. But there's just not too many good bats in that lineup. <laughs> and uh, in the AL West, we can uh, spend a minute or two here, and then I want to give a little bit of time to college football before we wrap up. We're running out of time here, but the Oakland A's are in first place. In the AL West, they typically have not come out of the gate very quickly, but they have this year. They look terrific. Houston Astros are starting to catch up a little bit. They started out the season 7-10. and They've won their last five games. That is going to be an exciting division to watch closely over the next month and a half. Oh, very. I, am, I think this A's team is just electric, I guess is the word I want to put it put there um i mean they've got some of the best pitching in all of baseball and a ton of guys you just don't even know like chris bassett's a good like a good yeah. like a solid number four number five uh jesus Lizardo is gonna be a stud um frankie montas he's a lot he's got electric stuff and then the lineup speaks for itself i mean they can hit the ball in the ballpark with as well as anyone and when they're gonna be matching up versus the yankees and the astros and everything in the playoffs I think that's really valuable. I think this team has as good of a shot as anyone to win the World Series this year. If you want to talk all-time bad trades, in 2015, the White Sox traded. Oh, I knew you were about to say this. Yeah. Chris Bassett <laughs> and Marcus Semien 
for Jeff Samarja's expiring contract. Yeah, that's I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's up there with the Tati James Shields deal. <laughs> maybe not, maybe maybe not that bad. They but did them both in the same like three month stretch to us. <laughs> I know, and that one comes to bite him more. I mean, at least they got Tim Anderson at shortstop, and you got some some uh, some real good young talent at the lineup. But the pitching is the problem there, and they could they could really use uh really use some good arms right now. You know. A lot of people, such as our friend Jordan Morandini, were high. Maybe not like overly high, but at least had the Angels as a playoff team. The Angels are not a very good team right now. Is that surprising to you, or were you sort of in my corner on the Angels coming into this season? I was probably more so in Jordan's corner. I picked the Angels to make the playoffs. I saw them as a sleeper to win the AL West. And I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's early, but it's, it's still early here, and they're missing Trout and Rendon for a little while. Um, but I'm I'm selling my stock in this team. I think Shohei. I thought he coming into the season. I thought he was going to be able to go out there every Sunday for him and give him six, seven good innings, and then four days out of the week, you know, hit well for him in the DH spot. But now it's just it's, he's such a he's such a question mark in itself. And then, other than Trout and Rendon, we really don't got much in that lineup. Upton's Upton's uh, playing well. David Fletcher's playing really well. But, uh, I mean, rotation, the bullpen, everything's kind of still a question mark over there. So, I don't see them. And in that tough division, I don't really see them making the playoffs this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I never really saw it with this club. I just think that without Trout, it's a very top-heavy batting order. I don't think there's a whole lot of depth there. I mean, there are a couple nice pieces, but we saw Justin Upton falling off uh, over the last few years, which is unfortunate. Pujols clearly at the very end of his career. and But the, the bigger concern, their pitching staff. It's not it's not a very good one. It's just it just isn't. And I thought that they would have been better off if they're gonna spend all that big money is getting Garrett Cole than they than getting Anthony Rendon. I think they're the only team that has like four guys in their batting order who make over 18 or like they make over 16 or 17 a year, 17 million with yeah. Up- yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, sorry for up there Jack, but No, it's all good. You're, you're so you're so right there, man. I mean, like you've got a good enough lineup. You've got Mike Trout and regardless of what you put around him, it's a good enough lineup. They what they don't have is a guy who can go out there every fifth day and 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 get you a get you a victory essentially you know like at least you're going into a game with it with an ace and you've got you've got hope and for the Angels right now they just in their minds they got to go out there every single day and slug and I would think they would have been better off in the off season you know it, maybe even throwing a hundred mil at or hundred twenty mil at Zach Wheeler and then uh, sprinkling around the bullpen. I just think that, like, I just think that they really messed up. I think they're ruining like Trout's prime, and it's it's tough to see that. I think they've still got once they get pools off the books and Upton off the books, I think they can go out and um, you know get some pitching, and hopefully Rendon and Trout are still producing. But it's it's sad to see that. It's, it's sad that we're not going to get to see, or likely not going to get to see playoff Mike Trout for a, what fifth year in a row or something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, I just I just don't think they're that good. I just I don't I don't see it. I know the Madden factor was something people were looking at. I don't think it matters who's managing that team. There's no pitching staff, and when there's no pitching staff, you can't win games. Yeah, exactly, and no bullpen either. I mean, no. Yeah, like my uh, well, my my sister's fiance now. He's a uh, he's in the uh, Angels farm. He's an Angels AAA team right now. Oh, so sweet. obviously he's not. Yeah, so he's not really doing anything, but he's a bullpen pitcher, and I was with him during uh, during Thanksgiving, and we were talking, and we were like, I asked him, I was like, you think you're going to sign Garrett Cole? And he was like, he was like I hope so, because I really don't want them to sprinkle any money into the bullpen. And <laughs> sure, as, sure as hell, they uh, don't put anything in the bullpen. They actually, uh, funny story, though, they actually traded um, traded uh, for Dylan Bundy, who's actually pitching really well now. Yeah. They traded for Bundy, and they traded a guy that... Um, it was Zach's biggest competition in AAA. It was oh. uh, the next the next best reliever. So that could have very well been uh, been Zach sent over to Baltimore. <laughs> but well, but I think yeah. he's happier and, and in Southern the, California. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Especially I don't know. I mean, especially uh, playing with Mike Trout, and yeah. that'll be that'll be a real cool one day for him. And he's going to get to go to a winning ball club. And hopefully, I mean, like we talked about with the Angels. It's just it's sad to see Mike Trout's prime wasted. Yeah, totally. All right, Jake. I think we've covered pretty much everything from the world of baseball. What, oh, go ahead. One thing, real quick. Yeah. Real quick. So, uh, just some recent news. You know, uh, Casey Mize getting the call up, and then I uh, just want to throw a little uh, throw a little name out there that got called up with Casey Mize. He's not getting any of the love, but uh, Tariq Skubal. He pitches tonight versus the White Sox, and. Uh, He's their number two prospect, and I think he's he's got a chance to be better than Mize at least in the short run. He's K'd seventeen point four per nine last year in Double A, um, in forty two innings. He's he's a stud. So I just wanted to throw out there keep that uh, the listeners keep watch for Tariq Skubal. Maybe it can end the Tigers six game slide here that they've had. Yeah. And he's 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 what they need too. They need they need a good lefty. I mean, Matthew Boyd's been pretty pretty horrendous ever since that. <laughs> I think it was last year last year first half of the season when he was doing really well. They need someone someone like this. So Tigers are Tigers are sitting at nine eleven right now. They got some decent young talent. I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised to see them in two three years. Yeah, make a make a run to the playoffs. Would not be surprising at all. Jake, anything else in terms of baseball? Can't think of anything else right now. Just uh, watching the Rockies and the Astros and extras <laughs> right now. Real quick, I want to ask you your opinion on this extra inning rule because this is one of the first games I've seen. Um, I've been locked into when I'm. I've seen the guy start on second base, and for the Rockies and Astros, they were zero zero going into the extras, and now it's one one after the first extra inning. Yeah, so it's working. So my view on it, I don't mind it, to tell the truth, but I don't like it coming in as early as a 10th inning. I think it would be better if they played two or three extra innings just as regular extra innings, and then you get to the 12th or the 13th, and all of a sudden now you have a runner on first. Uh, because and that's the other thing, too, is having the guy start out on second. It only takes a hit to score that run, and it, I think it would be better let's say in the 12th inning you start with a runner on first and it's still tied then you go down you go to the 13th inning 
and now you start with the runner on second. And then you could even, as you go further along, where you really don't want the game to last, you could then have guys on first and second or guys on second and third. That's my opinion on it. I think it just comes in a little too quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think maybe maybe even like the 11th inning, like give them one, one, uh, one regular extra inning and then... I'm with you on that. I think I think it's it's good for this year when you know so many, so many injuries. Pitchers are going to be taxed from so many such a condensed schedule. But I'm I'm hoping this isn't a rule that sticks. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the same way. I think I mean hopefully a lot of this stuff doesn't stick. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. But for right now, I'm just enjoying the ride and I'm glad to have baseball yeah. on my TV. Can't complain. That's right. As long as you've got baseball. <laughs> All right, Jake. College football. So the Big 12 released its schedule. They're planning to play. You mentioned the SEC. You think it's going to happen with the SEC. It also sounds like the ACC is trying to make it work. I know Notre Dame is going to be playing in the ACC this year. Uh, but nothing from the Big 10. Your thoughts on the latest in college football. Uh, it's it's upsetting. Um, starting with my, my my boy Rondale Moore opting out of the season, and then about two days later, we found out that there isn't going to be a big ten, be a Big Ten season. And uh, you know that was rough as a as a Boilermaker fan. That's uh, Rondale Moore's last year, and you were you were hoping that we were going to be able to at least witness it. But um, I don't know. I, you hear you hear rumbles about like Nebraska wanting to play in the Big Twelve and everything like that. Um, I do hope some of that stuff happens. Ohio State, I know, really wants to. I hope they can at least get some of these teams, you know, playing a little bit. I, I hope maybe they can figure something out. Um, I do not want a spring season. Saving comments today, I think we're on point. I, I think a spring season is going to be like JV football. And yeah. Spring season, in the big, spring season in the Big Ten wouldn't make sense at all. I mean, and springs what, February, March, April, and Minnesota – Minnesota and Northwestern and Wisconsin, it's winter. So that's not going to work. And, uh, like, obviously it's going to be flu season, which is bad for COVID and then just too cold in general. And I think this is, I think the long-term effect of this is really going to hurt the big Ten in terms of recruiting. Yeah. I think, um, I think any conference, I think the SEC is going to play. Yeah, um, I think it's really gonna, I think it's really just gonna add to their dominance of college football. I mean, th- think about if you're a 17 year old kid right now choosing where to go to school, you're gonna go to an SEC school that's playing football for sure. Versus even Ohio State or Michigan, who, you know, it's it's a question mark. So I think it's really gonna hurt us and hurt the game in the long term, and I, I don't like to see that. Yeah, my emotional reaction to this, while I try to be as logical and rational as possible. My my emotional reaction is this stinks. This is so lousy. We did all this stuff for five months. And my hope at the end of a lot of it was that, you, first of all, all this flattening the curve, everything, it's going on longer than I think most people were expecting. Most people were hoping it would. But the light at the t- end of the tunnel for me going into the fall, which typically around end of summer, early fall, I get a little bit of seasonal depression because it's not as warm out and there isn't as much sunlight and it gets cooler out. 
uh, in a lot of ways, the thing that really picks me up is those Saturdays in the fall. And so not being able to watch Northwestern each week, it's, it's a gut punch. It really stinks. So the more conferences that are able to make this thing work, and obviously I want everyone to be responsible, and this is all for our own selfish gain, I, and I understand all of that. So I want to make it clear. I, I just want this to thing to come back safely. And if it's not able to come back safely, that that's that's a real bummer. So I might have to find an SEC squad to get behind this here. I'm with you on that, man. I mean, uh, I completely agree with everything <laughs> you're saying. It's it's probably the smartest smart decision, and I think it's still a question mark whether SEC would even be able to get through a full season because these are college kids. You got to remember, these are kids who are going to be a lot tougher to manage than MLB players, or especially players in a bubble. And so you got to take that into account. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, I think the Big Ten is probably making the right choice here. But I would just like to see, I would just like to see the whole entire Power Five conferences. I would like to see them on the same page, just for the fact that it's not going to hurt recruiting and it's not going to really lead to more, more of a lopsided college football, uh, college football powerhouse in general. You know, like Bama's just going to get even better, <laughs> and LSU and it's going to come back to hurt the Big Ten, but but it's uh, it's probably the right decision. College game day on Saturday mornings. I don't know if they've put anything out yet from ESPN, but it'll be interesting to see what college game day looks like this year because are you going to be able to go on college campuses? Can people space out in the crowd? I, I don't know, but college game day is one of my favorite pastimes of the season of fall. Yeah, I agree with you there. I was at a, I was at Notre Dame's uh, on campus for uh, Notre Dame's college game day last year, and that was a blast. I mean, it just it lights up the campus, you know. And, and tailgates, college football tailgates are one of the most underrated aspects of of any kind of of any sporting event. So that's going to be tough to tough to see how that works out. Yeah, totally, Jake. I feel like we covered everything we could. Over the last hour, this was a lot of fun. Is there anything else that we forgot to get to today that you wanted to talk about? I think we covered it all, Jack. I mean, got into some baseball and even some college football. But uh, as for the NBA, I can't really go too <laughs> too much into that. The, the bubble has not been too entertaining for me to watch. But I guess I'm not too much of an NBA fan as it is, so... I'm speaking for myself on this one. Yeah. Do you have any reasons why you think viewership is down? Do you think it's because the bubble is kind of lame, at least the way you think the bubble is lame? Yeah, I think, I think that, and I personally, I think they're not marketing it too well. I mean, from a marketing major myself, but uh, I, I just, I think they're really not like putting it out there too much. Like I've been watching ESPN and everything and they're talking about it and whatnot, but I feel like unless you're like a regular fan, you wouldn't even know it's the playoffs right now. Just uh, it's just a little different, and maybe that is just me. You know, haven't really chimed in too much, but uh, but I don't know, man. I would just, I would like to see, I'd like to see uh, everything be back to normal next year, and and then I'll tune in some real NBA games because <laughs> basketball is a sport that's tough to watch without the fans. Yeah, college basketball, I can watch the heck out of if even if there are no fans and hopefully we can get college basketball in November. Yeah. And college is different. These kids are always playing hard. NBA is, the NBA is a different, uh, completely different than college basketball. In my opinion, 
I think a lot of these guys, and, it's, and I think the NBA viewership thing goes down to a lot of guys sitting out games, you know, not playing too hard. It's these regular season games that don't really matter too much. Um, playoffs just started. I think that will, that's going to help a lot. I think when it gets down to like the conference finals, yeah, it's going to go back I'll, up. That's then. Start, yeah, that's when I'll start watching and everything too. So, I mean, at least we've got basketball. I would rather rather have it in the bubble than not have it at all. Yeah. All right, Jake. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jake. This was a lot of fun. I look forward to speaking with you maybe sometime in September or October when we get down to the nitty-gritty of this baseball season, and hopefully we'll have some college football to discuss as well. Yeah, Jack, as always, thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Um, love, to, love to hop back on later in the season and dissect some of these uh, this uh, pennant race and hopefully some playoff baseball. All right. Fingers crossed. Sweet. Do you want to throw out your social media handle or anything of that nature? You want to promote anything? I, uh, I'm not too big on the social media, <laughs> but uh, I guess I guess you can give me a follow on Twitter. I, I occasionally retweet, favorite, you know, occasionally tweet out some good sports content. So uh, at Jake Paliga, that's uh, P-A-L-I-G-A. So uh, yeah, feel free to give me a follow if you ever want, uh, especially some Philly speed. Because if you're not a Phillies fan, I wouldn't shoot me a follow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. Thank you so much, Jake. Go and follow him. And thanks again, Jake. This is a lot of fun. We'll do it again sometime soon. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for my conversation with Jake Poliga. was great getting him back on the podcast. First time since January, as we mentioned earlier. And I hope to speak with him again soon. I keep teasing this reality TV podcast episode. We have delayed it to next week. Uh, Rachel Gerhardt should be joining me then. We'll see. But there's plenty to talk about in the world of reality TV. What reality TV is going to look like this fall with so many shows being canceled or unable to film. That should be a fun conversation. I should also have another sports episode out next week as well. And once again, I apologize for not being able to stay up with sports as much as I normally do. As you can tell, I'm still paying attention to the news, but I just haven't been able to watch as many games, at least not over the last couple of weeks. That should change now that I am back home back in action with the podcast. I don't think I'm going to be leaving anytime soon. Maybe Labor Day. We'll see. We'll see. But that won't be for a few weeks. I'm glad to be back in action. I'm glad all of you have joined me for today's episode. Please hit subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, you name it. We are on all of those platforms. Please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that would do so much good for the podcast. Go on, log on, and vote for the GOAT Kids Show of the 2000s. You can do so on my Instagram and Twitter pages and Facebook at Jack Vita Show, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Log on to jackvita.com, read my latest columns. I wrote uh, a couple weeks ago, I wrote about MLB win projections of what I would, how I would project teams 
as we projected all of these win totals in a 162 game season, I ran some cross multiplication to figure out what those records would equate to in a 60 game season. That I thought was a pretty interesting piece that I put together. You can go and check that out. JackVita.com. Once again, thank you all for listening. I will be speaking with you soon. Stay positive. Trust God. And until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of lobsters. <laughs>